What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Cut Moment Smack Talk podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango, and today I am going to be talking about the horror show at Extreme Rules. And I mean that literally. This pay-per-view was atrocious. And you are in for one of those trademark rants that happens every once in a while. You know, it happened with Crown Jewel a while back. It happened uh, here and there. I mean, so there's moments, you know, that pops up. And it's hard to really come across a whole lot that are so bad that I feel like I need to retitle my normal uh, structure. Because normally every pay-per-view I try to have basically the same uh, titling structure. It's, you know, WWE like SummerSlam 2020 pay-per-view event recap, post-show review, whatever. Not the case on this one. So strap yourselves in because even though it's only going to be me on this edition because everybody else has uh, things that are kind of getting in the way when it comes to recording and stuff like that, I am still going to give you a mouthful of just the worst vitriol and, uh, and ranting and venting and all that because... It deserves it. So before I get into all that stuff, I invite you to do the same thing. I'm sure that you have a lot that you want to get off of your chest as well. So go ahead and do that in the comments section below. Obviously, if you're listening to this on some kind of a platform that does not have a comment section, hop on over to one that does. For instance, you could leave a comment on the page on smartoutmoment.com as it is. You can send a tweet at smartoutmoment or at Tony Mango. You should be following me on there anyway, just because, hey, you never know what I'm going to tweet. And you can check it out on facebook.com slash smartoutmoment. But the best thing to do is, whether you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or anything like that, go over to the YouTube channel because the page for this video itself, not only can you get a, a little bit of a boost to it by giving a thumbs up and liking the video but you can also subscribe if you haven't done that already and you can ring that little notification bell to be aware of when things get posted up on this channel and when we go live most importantly out of all that stuff too as far as this part of the conversation at least is that that is where you can leave your comments and you can keep the discussion going and you can talk to whatever your heart's desires about what you thought about this because man there's a lot to get into and I will specify, I didn't hate everything on this card. So if you were really happy about something in particular, maybe that's the thing that I liked. There wasn't much, I will say that. And I, I don't even know how to really get 100% into the start of this. I don't know where to begin. Uh, if you checked out the predictions, you know that I wasn't having the most amount of uh, highest expectations when it comes to this. I did not think that this was going to be a great pay-per-view. I thought that there was some potential for some matches and that there were a few that they could really pull off. But in particular, I thought that there were a lot that was going to be left by the wayside. I thought that they were going to have hokey gimmicks that didn't work out all that well. And lo and behold, not only was I right about that, I didn't even have any idea that they would take the matches that didn't need to have that kind of stuff and make them absolutely ridiculous. This is one of the worst pay-per-views I can remember seeing ever. And we're talking, you know, I've been a fan of uh, WWE since I was God, young enough that I don't even know when I started watching. 
I know that I was less than five years old and I was dressed up as Hulk Hogan for uh, Halloween one year. So, you know, figure I've probably been a fan of pro wrestling since I was like three or something like that. And yeah, I didn't watch every single pay-per-view. And yeah, I don't remember every single one of them being the worst in the world. Of, you know, this one compares to that one or anything like that. But oof, this was horrible. Absolutely horrible in ways that WWE could have avoided because let's be honest, if you have a pay-per-view where the problem is that there were lots of botches and you're doing it live, shit happens, you know? It's live. The crowd can't redo things, you know, whatever it is. They had the ability to plan this out in advance, film it in advance, edit it in advance, and they still did this horrible of a job. And it was booking. That was the issue with this, is some of the matches, the quality wasn't bad leading up to the finish of it, or the gimmick of it, or the way that they executed things. It's the creative. And I really honestly, legitimately, and maybe I'm going to kill my future of potentially ever getting a job in WWE by saying these kind of things, but I really legitimately want to ask and put it out there just in case anybody responds. I don't think that they would, but I do want to put it out there. WWE creative. You guys and gals, whatever, you can't be happy with this, right? Like, you can't consider this a win. This can't possibly be the response to bad months, right? Like, WWE has been struggling for years at this point. Years. Think back to when they were feeling so rough that they had the McMahon family come out and say, we apologize, and we're going to start listening to you, and we're bringing these people from NXT up. And, of course, they didn't end up doing that. They ended up following through with all any of those kind of things. But this is years at this point where WWE has been really struggling and understanding that they've been struggling. And months on top of just this pandemic and everything, which, of course, I, 100%, this isn't entirely WWE's fault for every single thing that's going on. I know full well that there are lots of things that we're not even necessarily privy to that are making things considerably harder for them to book around. I know that they don't have access to every performer. Obviously, the scheduling is just impossible, I'm sure. So I don't blame WWE for some of those circumstances. But I do blame WWE for setting themselves up for those kinds of circumstances because the whole idea of planning in advance and scheduling things in advance, and taping things in advance, and doing things with a safety net is that you plan, and you prepare, and you redo, and you <laughs> follow through with the safety net. You don't set up a safety net, you know, for like a trapeze act, and cut the net, so that way if they fall, they fall through the safety net. That's not how a safety net works. And WWE set themselves up for failure, knowing that there was a very strong likelihood that they couldn't pull a lot of these things off, but said, ah, we'll try it anyway, and then didn't have a backup plan, and they can't possibly think that this was a good pay-per-view. There's no way. And if there are people out there that think that this was great, that's the reason why there's a problem in pro wrestling right now, because this is just legitimately not good. 
And it's not just my opinion about this. Yes, of course, opinions are subjective. And yes, there are some people that love some of these kind of things in a completely different way. And, you know, hey, we all have our different opinions. I don't like ketchup or mustard or mayonnaise or relish. So what do I put on my hot dog? None of those kind of things. You give me cheese and some chili or something like that, that's great. You give me a plain hot dog, that's great. Does that mean that when I see somebody eating a hot dog with mustard or ketchup or whatever on it, that I think that they're inherently wrong? No, I don't agree with the opinion. Whatever, it's, a, it's an opinion. I and My favorite movie of all time is Terminator 2. Now, do I expect everybody else to have that as their favorite movie of all time? Absolutely not. There are some people out there that love movies that I absolutely hate. And there are people that hate movies that I absolutely love. Now, I think that that's a wrong opinion, but it's an opinion. So, yeah, some people out there, I'm sure, loved any particular segment from this card. But I can't imagine that the bulk consensus is, whether you're in WWE or out WWE, that they could look at this and say, we did a good job, let's pat ourselves on the back, this is going to turn things around. This is something that proves to them that we know what we're doing, and this is going to get us more ratings, and this is going to get us more subscribers to the network. It can't possibly be true. It just cannot be. There's no way. There's absolutely no way that that's the case. And if your goal is to do something and you actively don't do that, you're either trying to fail or you're putting zero effort into things to the point where you don't care if you fail, or you're that bad at your job. And I don't know what to think as far as what this card was, because part of me thinks it's just sheer lunacy, and WWE, Vince McMahon, creative team, whatever you want to put the blame on, actually legitimately thinks that this was a fantastic pay-per-view, and they just do not want to recognize that that's not the case, and fundamentally it's just wrong. Or maybe they're just trolling. Like maybe the game plan now is just like, LOL, fuck the people watching these shows. They're stupid enough to watch. So we're stupid. Uh, we're going to prove to you that you're stupid enough to continue watching. And we're going to do as bad of a job as we possibly can just to prove to you that you'll keep watching this garbage. Uh, I'm trying not to get too fired up here. Now I'll admit partially fired up today because today's one of those days you know what i mean uh i'm gonna give a shout out to lowe's the opposite of a shout out who orders a fridge and orders all the installation and the hallway service just for lowe's to have their delivery people decide that they don't even want to drop the fridge off that they try to leave without leaving the fridge and that they refuse to do the rest of it you know nobody can do their jobs these days that's one of the problems and it seems like if you're on wwe creative one of the jobs you can't do is book creative and good stories <laughs> these matches these segments because i can't even say matches because not everything was a match were so bad that I, I as much as i could look at like money in the bank were some elements of like uh any of the pay-per-views from this year you know, wrestlemania backlash whatever and go well i don't know if i can think of a worse pay-per-view than that there's no way WWE outdoes this for worst pay-per-view of the year. And if they somehow find a way to have a worse pay-per-view than this, there is no hope for WWE. 
this was just so horrendous and oh i don't know get that blood pressure down a little bit <laughs> let's get started let's talk about this pay-per-view let's talk with the kickoff let's start off with that so the pre-show in typical fashion was completely pointless you have no reason whatsoever that you needed to see this because the way that wwe pre-shows are typically go is you don't need to see it and if wwe tries to act as though there's a reason to see it they quickly prove that wrong you know uh the best case scenario for a pre-show and i'm pretty sure that everybody kind of would agree with this opinion if you disagree drop a comment below tell me what you think but i don't think i'm wrong in saying this the best case scenario for a pre-show is and this is uh, applicable to anything not just wwe it could be for aew it could be for boxing it could be for uh just a preview for a movie you know just anything the concept of a pre-show is to fill you in on what is to come to bring people up to speed and to dangle something that's enticing enough for them to stick around and continue watching so the ideal situation for wwe is ideally not an hour long to begin with but that's that's another kind of opinion you get this recap highlight real video package vignette type of thing these interviews these pre-show panel analysis types of deals you get that stuff which if you are watching raw and smackdown and everything like that then you don't need that information because it's just recapping the same stuff if you are not a viewer of those then wwe is doing themselves a disjustice because that's the type of thing that it's like well maybe if you didn't watch those shows there's no incentive to watch them because now you can just watch the pay-per-view pre-show and then you don't have to watch all the weekly shows we can get into that another day this isn't the biggest uh, flaw that i have with this pay-per-view but you know you set that up and then you have some kind of a match and that that should be something that is interesting enough that it makes you want to tune in not only for the rest of the pay-per-view and subscribe to the network and buy the pay-per-view or whatever fashion but also because you should want to continue watching raw and smackdown and such going forward so their idea about what to do was to do murphy against kevin owens now these two have fought i don't know how many times over the past year since november or so when they had their feud going for wrestlemania all the way yeah, from SummerSlam all the way not SummerSlam, uh, survivor series all the way up until wrestlemania between kevin owens and seth rollins that feud went on far too long and they dragged that out far too much with as little effort as they possibly could i mean this has been a running theme in wwe lately where it's like well these people are feuding and the way that they're feuding is we just keep not having the match until whatever and we just have tag team matches for weeks and weeks and weeks months and months and ends and so that's kind of like all right well if you haven't seen enough of that since november and you haven't gotten enough of that from just owens interacting with murphy and all of them over the past few weeks here you go there's a match this would have been ins inconsequential on monday night raw as it is and raw is getting increasingly increasingly more difficult to watch and they decided that this was going to be the kickoff thing so no uh matt riddle versus king corbin no intercontinental championship match no raw tag team title match no real i don't know exciting matches or interesting setups or whatever that they could have possibly done right couldn't have done the bar fight 
on here because he wanted that to be a pop for the SmackDown ratings. Can't do the Randy Orton versus Big Show thing because you want that to be for the Monday Night Raw ratings. So WWE is splitting hairs and they are treading water as far as creative direction. And they are also just spreading themselves way too thin and thinking that these things are great. Now, Kevin Owens is great. Murphy's great. Big fan of both of them. Match itself, generic as all hell. You do not need to have watched this. There serves no purpose whatsoever in watching this match. It's not something that's interesting enough that it's going to make you go, man, I can't wait to see those guys fight again. Or so glad that I watched that. Not the case. It doesn't push the feud any further. It doesn't attribute anything more to the storyline. It is completely pointless. It's just filler. So the first hour of this show, in typical fashion, was a filler match that we've seen before a million times that didn't accomplish anything that was following up from the recap footage of everything that you've already seen. Yeah. That's the start of this. Arguably the least offensive thing on this card as far as the negatives go. Then we had the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. It was a tables match in a way that really, of course, didn't make any sense. We've talked about this before, but they set up nothing but a tables match in advance. And then they said, hey, guess what it's going to be? Oddly enough, it's going to be a tables match. And this was just not that good. Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura are the new tag team champions. They won because they put one of the members of the New Day through the table, the way that the stipulation goes. But since this was so tightly just compacted with the way that the performance center is set up, they didn't really do anything but run around setting tables up and not doing anything but waiting for that one table spot. And the table spot itself wasn't interesting enough to be like, oh my God, that saves it. And it's one of the highlights of the thing. It was a pretty uneventful, kind of boring match. I'm interested in where they go with uh, Cesaro and Nakamura as tag team champions, yet I have zero faith whatsoever that WWE has anything at all in mind for what to do with these tag titles. So it's interesting, but I feel like it's very quickly going to turn into, well, that didn't need to happen. Then we had the SmackDown Women's Championship match that was uh, Nikki Cross against Bayley. And I've mentioned this before. They've had, this is our 18th singles match together since Bayley had won that title at Money in the Bank last year. And they've had God knows how many tag team match type things or actually, well, no, that might not be their singles match together. It might be their 18th time against each other in the ring. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on one of the, it's one of the two. Check out cage match. But that does not count. Uh, that does not count the Alexa Bliss and Bailey matches, the Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks matches, or the Sasha Banks and Nikki Cross matches with the whole setup of them basically still feuding with each other. So I've seen this 20-something, 30-something, whatever times. Not interested. The match itself wasn't really keeping my attention. It wasn't super bad. It wasn't super good. It was just a thing that didn't need to happen that had a decent enough ending with uh, the boss rings. Uh, I don't really want to do Are they really rings? I don't know. It's like that brass knuckles sort of thing that uh, Sasha Banks wears. I guess it is a ring, but it's just gaudy as all hell. They had used that as a means for Bailey to take Nikki Cross out, get a pinfall, and use her new finisher, which it's at least better than the Bailey to Belly. Or Belly to Bailey? That's no, Bailey to Belly. 
belly to belly suplex is a stupid move to use for a finisher. So she's got this new thing now and it's a step up, but it's not great. So an upgrade still an upgrade, even if it is just a small upgrade, but the match itself was fine. It's just that I don't care because I've seen it a million times. So that's one of the highlights of this, oddly enough. Then we had a Bray Wyatt promo where he talked about how there was some horrible footage to show and they referenced the karaoke competition from SmackDown. So there you go. WWE acknowledging that they have some bad ideas and trying to play it into a joke. Well, you couldn't do that with this pay-per-view ahead of time. You didn't know that that was going to be that bad. That took us into the United States Championship non-match because it wasn't a match. Instead, they started this off by saying Apollo Crews did not pass his pre-match physical. He has a bulging disc that is a result from Bobby Lashley's full Nelson from a few weeks ago. And they have MVP come out and he says, well, then I win by forfeit. And they declare him the winner. And he walks away with championship. And then they say, well, I mean, Apollo Crews is still champion. So this is one of those big, big middle fingers to this pay-per-view. How do you not know ahead of time whether or not Apollo Crews is going to be ready to go? If you do know ahead of time, how do you not plan out possible backup options? If you didn't even plan a backup option, but you have access to all these different people, how do you not have any sense of what you've even done in the past. Here's the setup that has to happen in this kind of a scenario. Now, yeah, best case scenario, Apollo Crews and MVP have a match and there's fans in attendance and so on and so forth. But of course, it's not going to happen. So you go with Apollo Crews versus MVP for the title. Now, yeah, maybe Apollo Crews is dealing with some kind of a COVID issue. Maybe they thought that after two weeks that he would be able to take the test and that he'd be able to compete and that everything would go well. And maybe something happened where he didn't test in a way that they could have brought him out and had this actual match. I don't know. We're going to have to try to figure that out a little bit later on. But when you do this, there are two ways for you to do it. And WWE did not do either of them. They completely flew against logic of booking and logic of just reality. Apollo Crews forfeits the match and MVP has declared the winner. That means MVP is the champion. He forfeited the match. He's unable to compete and defend the championship in a scheduled match. MVP was declared the winner. He is the champion. And WWE went out of the way to go, well, no, not really. So what was the point? Now, as far as just booking goes and just, you know, planning this stuff out in advance and trying to put on a good show for everybody, I think that I'm not all that crazy here when I say any rational, reasonable wrestling fan who has been around long enough to understand how these things works has the same opinion that I have. Why was there not a follow-up. Why did they not have Cedric Alexander and Ricochet come out and have a tag team match with Lashley and MVP? Where for one of them or somebody else, could have been Mustafa Ali, could have been Shorty G, 
Could have been anybody from the Raw or even SmackDown roster. You could even write this off on the SmackDown side of things by saying that this is an impromptu, whatever the hell they called it. It wasn't the wild card rule anymore. It was like the, I don't know, the inner brand mingling trade crap. I don't know. They dropped that, of course, out of you know a few weeks. But you could have somebody come out and say something like, hey, that's not how it goes down here. We're going to have a fight. And then at least if somebody is complaining that they didn't get to see the match that they was advertised and the card's totally subject to change, but it was still bullshit, at least you can tell them, we tried to offer you something in compensation for it. You know how, like, I'm going to use another food analogy because food analogies go a long way. I'm not going to bring up hot dogs again, though. I'm going to change it around a little bit. If you were to order from a restaurant, whatever the specific meal is that you order, um, you know, uh, you order a, a veggie burger and they give you a regular burger. You order a white pizza and they give you one with the pasta sauce, uh, pizza sauce on it. You order a steak and you get it medium and it comes out and it's well done. What happens when you complain about it? More often than not, unless it's a real uppity server that's causing issues or some kind of a real pain in the ass manager or whatever like that, 99% of the time, it seems, they offer you to redo it or to give you some kind of alternative. You know, well, we, we don't have any of that in stock, so would you like this instead? Here's a gift card. Here's a coupon. Here's whatever like that. They don't just go, hey, we said this, but nah. All right, see you later. That's not how this works. And the simplest, easiest way to do this, hell, you could have had Rick Boogs in the crowd come out and just say, nah, that's not cool. I want a match. And he could have fought and he could have lost. He could have lost in three minutes and it still would have been a better idea than what this was. This was horrible. And there's no excuse for it because I know that, yeah, Maybe they thought Apollo Crews wasn't going to be available and they tried to book around it, but they didn't. They didn't book around it. They booked in the idea that they were going to have this available. They could have on Raw said, well, if Apollo Crews is not whatever like that, then this is another match and it's another option. And Hey, just in case Apollo is not able to wrestle, why don't we tell this one guy to come in and then he can have a match or something like that? It's, they didn't care. That's the thing. They didn't care. And then they follow it up with the eye for an eye match. Now, I have hated this feud since pretty much the beginning of it. I have thought that it's stupid. I've thought that the execution has been atrocious because it's been Aleister Black and Umberto Carrillo and now Kevin Owens as well and Dominic and Rey Mysterio against Seth Rollins and Murphy and Austin Theory, who's not even a part of it anymore because he's just... MIA and every week has been the same thing. It's been Seth Rollins saying Rey Mysterio needs to be sacrificed for the greater good. And then people come out and they fight and they have either a brawl and, or they have a six man or a regular two on two tag team match. Nothing is different. And this is the kind of thing I think of too, when I think it can't be that hard to be on the writing team and not, as far as like, I mean, I know that it's got to be hard to deal with the whole like the scripts changed at the last minute type of thing and all that kind of stuff that I am not envious of. And that is something that I 
give full-blown credit to as far as, yeah, that's got to be awful. But you can't say that copying and pasting the same thing week in and week out is difficult. It's not difficult writing. If every single one of my articles had the same basic template to it and the same basic wording, and all I did was just do replace all, yeah, it's not that difficult. I'll admit that I have some templates and stuff on articles that I write. And yeah, that's not as difficult because that's what copying and pasting is. It's a way to do something that's easier. And when WWE does this kind of a thing where they just go, I don't know, the three of them and the three of them, they, they talk about the same promo that they did last week and then they fight again. And then what do you do next week? How about they cut the same promo and then they fight again? How about they cut the same promo and then they fight again? How about this time they fight and then they cut the same promo? It's not difficult. I could write down, if that's the way that you're going to work, I could write three years worth of the TV show in a week because I could just go, here's one show, just do it for three years because that's all you want to do. And then that's it. So this was terribly built and this didn't have any kind of saving grace to it because how did it end? It ended with the same steel steps thing that they've done before. And it has less fake blood. There's this stupid little thing about this fake eyeball that's barely, barely, barely visible. I didn't even see it until Wago shot me a screenshot laughing at it. Because I just didn't see it. They had Rey Mysterio holding his eye and he's got his mask on and he's facing away from the camera and people are hovered over him. And he's got his head down to the ground. Yeah, of course I didn't see the fake eyeball. This is beyond stupid. Why book an eye for an eye match if you know that you can't execute it? Don't set yourself up for failure. Why would I tell you listeners that I am going to do a 50-something hour live stream with all sorts of hologram technology and guest stars that are celebrities and whatever, knowing full well that I can't do it, and then go, well, okay, well, I couldn't really do that, but uh, I didn't think that I couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I knew full well I couldn't, and I know that WWE knew that they couldn't pull this crap off either, yet they did it because all that matters is did it get you talking and did it get you to tune in, and we don't care if it gets you to stop watching because full-blown... Yeah, I'll admit, this kind of pay-per-view is exactly the type of reason why I don't want to do this anymore. You know? I don't enjoy watching bad stuff. And it's hard to not go... I mean, I'm 30 minutes into this rant about this pay-per-view, and I haven't even gotten to some of the other big offenses. So, no, this is not fun to do that. And WWE, we can't be proud of themselves. They just can't. And I'm hoping that as a sign of knock it off and do your jobs and be creative and try to put out a good product and try to follow your own rules and try to follow some logic and stop booking as if you're, you got some kind of dementia or something like that. I hope that tomorrow night's Monday Night Raw is the worst rating that they've ever had, just as a wake-up call, just to be like, stop it, do the work. You're getting paid to do the work. Do it. It's what everybody else should do. But nobody can do their jobs nowadays, so whatever. 
So that's awful. And then after Seth Rollins does that, Rey Mysterio is written off and all that. They treat it later on as, well, I mean, I guess you could just like reattach it. Which is like, yeah, of course, that's the way they retcon that whole thing. Figured that that would be the case. And that leads us to the Raw Women's Championship match because Asuka and Sasha Banks, I was thinking to myself, oh, please, please save this pay-per-view. And they go ahead, they have a pretty good match. And then Asuka spits mist in the referee's face. And Bailey throws on the referee shirt, counts pinfall, gets the timekeeper to ring the bell, and they end the segment. And I have written down on the wrestling news, what the fuck is going on with this show? Why do you have an eye for an eye thing where you don't pull it off? And a non-title change forfeit United States Championship match and this poorly booked tables match. And you decide, let's have another match that has a non-finish to it. If the, pay, the the point of the TV shows is to set up the pay-per-views and the pay-per-views are utterly pointless and just tell you, tune in tomorrow, we'll figure it out, LOL, people don't keep watching. Look at all of these TV shows over the years that have had this episode to episode to episode stories where they don't actually give anybody anything to latch on to it inevitably falls because these TV shows and WWE is a different kind of animal. I understand that, but it follows the same rule. If you keep teasing people and you keep telling them to wait, then you know for a fact that the next time that they tell you to wait, that you're not going to get it. And they're just going to tell you to wait again. So why tune into Monday night raw? All you're going to get most likely is, well, that didn't count. And you're either going to have a rematch again, because remember this too, I'm going to go on this rant too. Didn't Nia Jax and Asuka end in a non-finish where they needed to follow it up the very next night on Monday Night Raw? So is the whole point of Monday Night Raw to, and Friday Night Smackdown for that matter, to spend an entire month setting up a pay-per-view just so the pay-per-view says tune into the next episode and we'll actually accomplish some of this shit? Come on now. It's... You know, WWE has had these certain things that people just accept pretty much forever, like squash matches, where it's like, all right, yeah, I don't expect that person to win at all. This person's just there to lose. Or, yeah, you're not going to give everything away on the TV shows because you're setting up the pay-per-view. But if everything is just pointless, then there's no point in watching. And I don't blame you for not watching it. And I don't blame you for falling out of a podcast like my own just because it's hard to listen to somebody like me bitch and complain about this kind of stuff. Absolutely terrible. There was no reason why this match needed to end like this. Because there's no reason to excuse why another referee didn't come out and say, no, that doesn't count, and then have an actual finish. There is absolutely no reason other than WWE saying, we spent weeks telling you to wait for something just to tell you not quite wait a little longer. Now they're going to drag this out probably into SummerSlam. We're probably going to get some kind of over the next however many weeks, Asuka and Sasha and Asuka and Bailey and all that other kind of crap to do this whole thing all over again. And when people don't tune in, WWE is going to be sitting there with their heads up their asses, wondering why people aren't loving the product. If you give people shit, they're going to think it's shit. 
That's how it works. Asuka and Sasha are better than this. They could have had a much better match. And yeah, there was like, it wasn't perfect. I don't know if Asuka and uh, Sasha did exactly what they were supposed to be doing. I highly doubt that Sasha was supposed to land on her knee the way that she did. But no matter what, if this would have had an actual finish to it, it would have been better than what they did. Absolutely terrible. So then we go into, thankfully, the highlight, one of the two highlights of this whole thing, the WWE Championship match. You know how we were joking about how there's no logic for a heel like Adolf Ziggler to not have some kind of a stipulation that they pick where it's entirely in their favor? Like the Dolph Ziggler wins match, where as soon as the bell rings, Dolph Ziggler is declared the winner, and that's how the match goes, and that's the stipulation that he chooses. They actually went along with that, funny enough. Not quite to the same extent, but they did the logical thing, where Drew McIntyre is not allowed to be disqualified or counted out, or he will forfeit the title. Not in the same way that Apollo Crews, quote-unquote, forfeited, or that Asuka, quote-unquote, lost the championship but legitimately, and that Dolph Ziggler can be counted out, or actually, well, there's no count out, so it doesn't really count, but he can be on the outside, and he's he won't get counted out and lose, and he won't be disqualified, so he gets the extreme rule stipulation, and Drew McIntyre does not, and he also does not get the champion's advantage of being able to retain by count out or DQ. Smart. Smart way to go about doing this. The match itself was pretty good, and I liked that they stacked the odds against McIntyre because that made him an underdog in a way that he normally wouldn't be. It's the type of thing where he is the bigger guy, yet he still has to fight from underneath because he's got these stipulations working against him. And Ziggler has these advantages, but you know what? He doesn't pull it out because McIntyre is the guy. He wins. Thumbs up. Imagine that. You book something smart. You let the people have a decent match. And you end it in a way that's not ridiculous. Look at that. It's a good thing. Yay. It's not that difficult. <laughs> so that could have been better, of course. You know, if they would have had this in front of a crowd, if they would have had more weaponry involved, whatever. You know, it could have been better. But on this card, it's amazing. And then we had the Wyatt Swamp fight. Now, I have said before, I do not like these cinematic matches, and the same thing is applicable here, but I tried to shut my brain off, especially because my brain is so fried from trying to understand how they could possibly book this terrible card. So this actually had some kind of interesting elements to it. It's not something great that I would be like, you gotta go back and watch this or something like that, but it's better than a lot of the other things we've been seeing recently. It's certainly better than the uh, Kiritazawa, Street Profits, Viking Raiders thing. It's certainly better than uh, the Money in the Bank match. So what we got was a whole setup with a bunch of people at the Wyatt compound or the Wyatt swamp thing or whatever. I don't know what you would really constitute it. But there's people that are fighting Braun Strowman and he gets attacked in the back with a shovel and it ends up being himself, kind of like a, some Empire Strikes Back type stuff. You know, when Luke goes into the, um, spoiler alert, well, for a movie that's been, you know, over... 40 years old uh <laughs> you know that part where uh luke goes into the cave in dagobah 
He's fighting Darth Vader and he uh, decapitates Darth Vader and ends up being Luke on the inside. And it's like, oh, you're fighting like a manifestation of yourself or whatever like that. So Braun Strowman is fighting a manifestation of himself, you know, the old Braun Strowman kind of thing. Kind of neat. I'm wondering, do they call him Clone Strowman or Braun Cloneman or whatever? And uh, that switches over to a setup where he's inside this little shed they've got these baby doll parts hanging up on the ceiling somebody comes out with a snake and that snake bites brawn and they teleports back to this campfire type thing and this one guy gets set on fire and he's running around and that turns into sister abigail who is alexa bliss and she of course is this like ghostly apparition where she's kind of coaxing brawn saying like oh you know you wanted to be together all the time and all this like uh back when we were like mixed match challenge uh partners like you wanted to be with me and we could be together and like all this other kind of stuff and i'm like you know what it's actually kind of interesting that is implying that this like weird thing that they had going on that there was like legitimate feelings from braun Strowman that he was kind of like he had this crush on alexa that was like deeper than just a stupid little silly thing and that she's like this true love of his or something like that and it's like you know what like i'm kind of in like you know this it seems kind of interesting and whatever like that as stupid as it is that's the thing that like throughout the whole night i'm like wow this is actually kind of interesting and they fight and they fight whatever like that and it ends with uh them going into the swamps and the fiend coming out so i guess the fiend technically wins even though it's not a match so you can't really say that he won anything in particular but it's non-title to begin with so it doesn't really matter and that's the type of thing, too, that you specified it's a non-title match. You knew in advance enough that you wanted Braun Strowman to lose, but not lose the championship. So you can go ahead and you can plan out a non-title match like that, but you can't plan out a lot of this other crap that you put on this card. So before I wrap this up, I want to toss out some plugs here. The Patreon is one. Patreon.com slash moment. If you want more stuff from myself and from the rest of the guys and from everybody else here at the team on smartcoutmoment.com, whether it's on the post side of things or it's on the podcast side of things, the best way to motivate and to keep the lights on and everything like that is to donate to the Patreon. It helps with the fluctuating uh, ad revenue. It's the type of thing that we never know what we're going to get when it comes to any of that kind of stuff. So this actually is like, you know, more fundamental and it helps. And there are different tiers for that. Even a dollar goes a long way, especially the more people that do that. But $10 and up gives you access to the dark casts. Those are Patreon exclusive episodes. And the pick your poison tier is something where you can request some kind of a special feature. If you would like us to do some kind of a gimmick that we haven't done, or you want us to focus a gimmick on a particular topic or anything like that. Maybe you want us to rewatch this and do some kind of a audio commentary track for the fan outs table. Maybe you want us to watch an old pay-per-view and do a review for it or do something like another superstar scores or to do another Mount Rushmore or something like that. Take advantage of that while you can. And since this Wyatt Swamp fight thing was on the Friday the 13th type of horror film spectrum, I'm not a big horror fan, but I'm a big movie fan and I would love to do more movie related stuff which I do over on my other website, fanboysanonymous.com. You can find the movie, TV show, comic book, video game, etc. type geek culture content on that site. That's the blue brand, according to the whole smack talk and smart cat moment being the red brand. Uh, that is that sister website. 
So check out fanboysanonymous.com. Uh, if you're a Pokemon fan, for instance, I recently just put up an article earlier today or yesterday, I don't know, these weeks blurred together, of me just hypothetically talking about what would a sound-type Pokemon thing be like. So I'd love to do more stuff like that. I'd love to do Mount Rushmore's of comic book characters. I would love to do more movie reviews and different things like that. And if you donate to the Patreon for a markout moment and you donate to the Patreon for Fanboys Anonymous, guess what you get? You get more of both. Whatever happens there, I am very, very appreciative of anybody who does donate or anybody who picks up something from the merchandise shops, Public and Redbubble, for a Smartout Moment, Fanboys Anonymous, and A Mango Tees. If you want to check out the t-shirts and all the different other types of products, stickers, mugs, shower curtains, uh, bibs, I think they even have, leggings, you know, there's a lot of different merchandise designs and a lot of different options for those different designs. That's another way for you to help us out by tossing some spare change our way. So go ahead and browse those catalogs. And another thing to be aware of is the Sexiest Superstars tournament is currently going on. We're on the finals. So go ahead and vote on either Alexa Bliss or Sasha Banks or Finn Balor or uh, who's he up against? Drew McIntyre in the men's and the women's brackets while you can, because those polls will shut off at some point over the next week or so. And then I think that that kind of covers everything outside of the fact that you should just be staying tuned to everything else that's happening here. You know, there's Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast that Callum and Rob have been doing. New episode of that coming, of course, over the week. Check out the most recent ones, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, this is my my overall consensus as far as Extreme Rules goes. The horror show at Extreme Rules was the worst name for a pay-per-view that was going on. And they followed it up with some of the worst gimmicks. And they followed that up with some of the worst execution of any matches and any segments on pay-per-views that I have seen in such a long time that I can't think of a better example of a worst pay-per-view of the year. This had the highlights were normally something that wouldn't be all that impressive. Yet the good on this stands out so far because the bad was so bad. And it's so frustrating to watch an event like this and to feel like your continued support in watching something is being laughed at by the people that are creating it. They are putting zero effort into things, or if they are putting in the effort, they're doing just that bad of a job. And if you're that bad at your job, you need to get fired. That's just the way that things go. Nobody hires the chef that can't cook and burns things. Nobody hires the carpenter that can't put something together and it falls apart as soon as you try to touch it. Nobody hires the mechanic that can't fix your car. So if you can't write a creative TV show pro wrestling program and have it be interesting and logical and follow through with ideas, you might not win on every single idea. Every match doesn't need to be the best match in the world, but the only consistent thing that's been happening in WWE for the past year, and for that matter, the past like three years if not the past 20 years or so, like not 20 fully, you know, there's been good times and stuff like that, but for a long, long time now, like I remember 2007 being really rough in a lot of ways. And I remember 2010s and stuff being really rough in a lot of ways. It seems like the only consistent thing in WWE is that they're consistently bad. And this is not good. This is not so bad that it's good. This is not, so ridiculous and funny and you just got to laugh it off because it's suspension of disbelief and it's silly and whatever and 
grow a sense of humor. No, this was awful. And WWE should be ashamed of themselves. This is, this has to be the worst pay-per-view of the year. And if WWE finds a way to do a worse pay-per-view than this, God forbid. Jeez. So, one-man show, and I can go 50 minutes, and I'm still not talking about everything I want to talk about. Imagine if I would have had the rest of the guys on this. Yeah, well, that's about it for me for now. I mean, it's 11 o'clock right now when I'm done recording this, and I'm going to edit it. I'm going to publish it for you all to listen to. I'm going to write some more things about this. And we're going to just kind of push things along here and see how things go. But yeah, that's your horror show at Extreme Rules. Pay-per-view point post-show. Tell me what you think. Agree or disagree, whatever it might be. Thank you for your support and listening to this. And I will see you next time, everybody. But for now, this has been another Smart Out moment. And I'm being counted out. Thank <laughs> you.